welcome to a, another edition of the Forensic Happy Hour. Today we're going to have Gus Dimitrios from Cyber Forensic 360. So it might be fun, it might not. It's just another day in isolation. Hope you enjoy. Thanks. All right, so first off, the things that we start, uh, introduce this is Gus. Gus, fantastic. First thing we do is cheers. Cheers. Exactly. Good to have you. And typically the, the fun conversation is over once the drinks are gone. So because, <laughs> right? Okay. So, hey, so it, I appreciate it. And so what I wanted to do first is want to introduce yourself, tell, you know, tell us everyone what you do. I know what you do. So yeah, tell absolutely. what you do, all that cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm the CEO of Cyber Forensics. We do a lot of uh, data breach investigations, cyber crimes. I've testified international, federal, state courts, uh, mobile, computer, uh, classified, criminal, civil. Uh, we're all about, you know, same sphere. Uh, previously, I was in the Secret Service. I retired there in 2005, started my company. Now, while in the Secret Service, which is a unique aspect, you know, 25 years I've been in this industry, uh, 25 years ago, started the program with the Secret Service, me and 12 other, 11 other Secret Service agents, uh, the EXAT program, the Electronic Crime Special Agent Program. Uh, and, you know, just watching the 25 years go by in this industry, which, you know, someone said a quarter of a century, which really made me feel old. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, you're right. That's, that's good math. Uh, it's, been, it's been a ride. Uh, you, you know, it's, you've, I, you've done the investigations. You, you know, you travel the world. Uh, the situation now, what's going on with my, you know, my little diseases out there. Uh -huh. mm. you, you learn that this industry is, uh, is unique in that there's a lot of people out there who are out of work. Um, it's a weird industry because hackers don't stop. Uh, I haven't slowed down a single bit. Uh, I took out a big remodeling project uh, you know, here in Bozeman, Montana. But uh, as far as work, um, it has not stopped a single bit because hackers are just too aggressive and criminals, cyber criminals are still there. Yeah, so let's talk about that uh, because you know what I uh, I'm obviously I'm not a cybersecurity expert, um, uh, kind of on the forensic side. But explain to me because what I have seen, uh, you know, just obviously through the news and just understanding, reading a lot of a lot of things, is there's a lot of people that are taking advantage of one systems that are either you know people are, are working from home uh, or the businesses there's no one there or you know new phishing. You know, all the, hey, click here to get your new therm or, uh, you know, your new thermometer or all these other items. So, I mean, do you think that I, I would that it's actually increasing now because of this? Yeah, what's, what's well, an interesting point you brought up there. The, the, the amount of crimes are, are increasing, these types of crimes, the cyber threats, the attacks on individual businesses. And, and what the hackers are doing is very unique. I wrote an article about it on LinkedIn about threading. So threading is a concept I noticed about three years ago in a, one of the investigations, and I've seen that trend continue till today. I have a client right, right now, an architectural firm. Uh, what, the, what the hackers are doing is they're finding in the industries, it's law firms, uh, architects, real estate, uh, the smaller type businesses, not the big Bank of America type attacks. They're attacking the smaller folks through phishing schemes, but what they're doing is they're threading themselves into these accounts whether through the network, meaning that they hack a system, they identify the uh, profiles of the users on the network, they identify who the admins are. But if you're a lawyer, let's say, for instance, they'll, they'll thread, they'll take over your conversations. They create a rule, once they get in, that says delete any emails with the words wire transfer, uh, bank transfer, any, any financial type of verbiage. 
And that deleted file goes where? It goes into the recycle bin. So what the hackers will do is once they're in your account, they come in at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., they go into your recycle bin, communicate with the other party as if they're you. So it's not another account, but at the same time, they create a separate email account that basically forks so that message is threaded to another account so that when the reply, the reply all, it actually goes to another account, a backup account, which becomes their primary account for communicating. So then they discard the original account, the authentic account, and use this other account, which is almost exactly the same. The domain is almost exactly the same, but they create a brand new domain with one character off. And usually it's going to be a G or a Q. So for instance, if you're, if you're like leegroup.com, that G and a Q, if you look at it in a browser, you can't really distinguish the difference between the G and the Q. So they're getting very savvy. So we're seeing these in every investigation. The other side of the hackers is they're identifying system, weak systems. Uh, these managed service providers, a lot of companies hire a third-party provider, a security provider. Hackers are attacking the providers. They had a big dental breach in Colorado. Colorado, this, this third-party provider of security services actually maintain probably a couple dozen dental offices. So instead of attacking a dental office, they attacked the, this uh, provider, the service provider, and when they got the service provider hacked, all these dentistries got hacked. So they took over all these dentistries, uh, encrypted their servers, encrypted their computers, ransomware, asked for Bitcoin. You know the story after that. So, so is, I mean, is it becoming more sophisticated or is there just more opportunity? It's the aggressiveness, the aggressiveness of hackers. Right now, we're, we're seeing they're just identifying, they're taking these known, um, let's say a breach, a target breach. So a target breach has a database. It has a credential, a username and a password. Lawyers are some of the worst at changing or having different passwords for accounts. So they're just, all they're doing is they're taking a credential, a username and a password, and they're just plugging it into all these sites, Office 365, Outlook.com, Gmail, whatever the platform is, they're, they're just trying, they're basically taking a username and password and trying to see if it works. That's what's happening in a lot of these cases. Where are you seeing, where are you seeing a lot of the, the, I guess, the hacks? Obviously, it's difficult, but I mean, uh, if, you, if you're tracking these, is there a certain, is there a country, is there a certain group that you're, that you're seeing them tied to? Yeah, it's, it's, it really pings back and forth between Asia and Eastern Europe. It's, it, we, we used to talk about sort of Nigeria as being one of those, or uh, Iran, like the last one, the current one I have, he set up a username, the name was IranHacker underscore 2010. It's a total BS name. A lot of times they'll set that up to kind of try to send you on a wild goose chase. Uh, identified in that investigation probably about a dozen different uh, you know, proxies basically from uh, China, uh, Russia, Ukraine. And these are all, we hear these names on the news all the time. But yes, they always use these countries as these jump points. So identifying where they're coming from is difficult. But usually on a breach, when it's information-based, it's usually through Asia, meaning if somebody's trying to steal information, it's usually an Asian-type attack versus a financial attack, which is more prevalent in Eastern Europe. So with, with uh, you know, obviously not being able to travel, go to, you know, we, I mean, we travel, and people I typically talk to, I mean, we travel a lot. So obviously we're not doing that. Uh, but, but are you seeing, I, I guess, uh, the workload? Are you, are you finding that the, the workload here in, you know, U.S.? Is is keeping you busy? Yeah, I am. I am incredibly busy. I'm very fortunate. Uh, where what I'm missing right now is testimony. So what I'm, which is nice for me because it allows me to focus on the forensics. Remote collections is incredible, especially your your enterprise edition of Oxygen. Really allows us to be able to just 
remotely image phones, right? So it's critical because it's two days wasted for me and you, right? We come out of these cities, I'm out of Bozeman, you're out of Boise. We don't have a thousand direct connections. So I've got to lose a day going to the client, a day coming back. So now I've got two days of the week back in my pocket. So it allows me to catch up on everything I've had to do for the last four or five months. I have a data breach a week, a new client a week. And it seems like this is allowing me to remotely image and collect everything from a server to a phone. And once I do that, it, it, the, the peacefulness right now is enabling me to be able to focus on the investigation. Yeah, so that in, in my talks, in my, in my a couple of previous talks, it always comes down to this too, and this question that I ask is, is with what we're finding out that we can do remotely, and I mean, either it be, you know, we're having a conversation or whether it be Zoom or whether it be all of these where people are finding out that you could actually be very productive and sometimes more productive by working from home or remote. I mean, do you see the landscape change once, once this is all over? Yeah, I, I changed it about three and a half years ago. I changed that model internally. I said, I looked at what made me the most efficient and, and certainly the most money. And exactly what you said. My efficiency from working from home, because I, I like to work all the time, but at some point you gotta, you got to be home. Uh, so it's nice to be able to just dink around on investigations. You can spend an hour here, two hours there. But the amount of time you spend in a day on investigations and examinations is way more than you would spend going to an office, going out to lunch with friends, driving to the office, commuting, certainly. So now you have all this useful time, and as long as you're putting it to good use, Right? That's the challenge there is being disciplined. As long as you're putting a good use, you're going to be very efficient in what you do. Yeah, and, and I agree. You know, I, I'm finding that uh, it, it's, it's pretty positive, it, obviously, in a, in a lot of ways, one, especially on, on the financial side of it. Um, so, you know, being able to do that, I, I, I honestly think that one of the, I don't want to say the pitfalls, but if you think about now, how about those buildings that might remain empty because people are like, well, I'm not going to pay this rent, you know, in Virginia, uh, you know, for a building that we really don't need because our employees can work from home, right? Yeah. So obviously that could be, that, that could be something that, that might be different. But so moving on to something else, what being at home though, you know, we, I, I found it's good, but what are the things that you miss? Well, certainly I yeah, I've traveled my entire life. Like I, I love, I love the world. There's no part of the world really I don't like. The travel part of it, you know, you can have the perks. I've been diamond, you know, diamond with Delta since since it began. I forget how many years back. Not even that long ago, maybe eight, nine years, whatever it was. You get all the, you know, the lounge. You get tired of all that. But the part that's great is is the destination. So you get these different places. Uh, you get to explore, like we have a case in Spokane, Washington coming up, so we get to explore Spokane. So right now I take clients based on the locations. If I like the location, I'm going to take the client. If not, I'll probably send one of my guys to do it. Uh, but you're right about the buildings. I'm Greek, right? So I have family members. There's five restaurants in my family. They're all shut down. So the hardship is you know, knowing that family members aren't working. You know, I'm working here. You're, we're working. But certainly the travel aspect is the, is, is the part that I miss, the destination, not the logistics of traveling. So, not talking about work, what is the biggest benefit that you found from, obviously you've worked from home, but obviously you travel a bit. So what, I mean, what's a huge benefit for you now, you know, not on the work side, what are you doing for free time? Well, I mean, look, you see a gray wall behind me. This is not a gray wall. It's not government gray. This isn't a government building. We, your wife and I have a remodel right now. It's, it's a very large space. Um, our view, I'm just going to turn the camera a second. There, 
you know, Bozeman's right there. So that's downtown. And I'm sure the view is absolutely stunning. The mountains, you can see it. Uh, so I've got a, a tremendous view from where we're at. So we started this project a year ago. We, we have finished more in two months than the last 10 months. We are literally on the last room. There's five bedrooms. It's a big space. that We gutted it right to the stud. So it's studded concrete. That's what we were working with a year ago, studs and concrete. So now we're looking at you know almost completion. The kitchen's over there. It's a big wine wall we built in the middle there. It's going to be between the kitchen and the dining room. we got this huge 14-foot table that we're using the right. station. So the idea is like, we had to make use with our time. We're like, this is, this is going to work out well. Managing, yeah. you know, the, the other side of the non-work is like, I'm a busy person. I know you. You work. You're a working machine. I would never have a challenge between you and I who works more. We'd kill each other, right? But the, the idea that you have all this free time has been magnificent for us. But I always have to bring it back to I have family members that are hurting right now, so I can't embellish in this time. Yeah, and that, quite honestly, I mean, that's that's one of the positives. Uh, and, you know, everyone I talk to, my, you know, my parents, uh, my kids, they're like, um, so this is what I did at my house. You know, I did, the whole banister did, completely redid the attic, you know, completely redid. Everyone is finding, obviously, time to want, you know, to complete some projects that they have completely put on the back burner because, one, they're too busy to do this. You know, when they get home from work, they're too tired to do that. So, again, it's just that. I think of it as, as kind of a silver lining to the to the whole situation that's out there. Obviously, it's going to change, but you know, hopefully, the people, their mentality that they have doesn't change, right? So that we continue on the, you know, what I enjoy it being home. I want to stop working so much sometimes, and you know, just kind of relax. And maybe this is kind of a way. To do it. Obviously, there's a lot of there's still a lot of craziness going on, uh, but but you know, hopefully, people see some of the positives. Yeah, I mean, you and I, I mean, certainly if I have to take Lee and Gus back to our early 20s, it would make us crazy because we love to work. You know, being a Secret Service agent, love to travel, we love to work. So it's a different mindset because we, you and I do have options. Some people certainly want to get out there and they want to hustle. Right? I always think about my guy, my buddies in Secret Service, all the new guys, they want to get on the road, they're stuck. No one's moving. Our restaurants are closed. They want to go out to restaurants. So my wife and I, for 15 years, check this out, we've never cooked probably 10 meals in a year. We've cooked 10 meals in two days. We've made, we've become an amazing chefs. We get on all recipes and all the different sites and really just taking our time, really finding these recipes that require two people, an hour prep. Uh, we started smoking like we've never smoked before. So, I mean, not smoking, but smoking like pork. Um, we started doing all these, like, hey, let's try. Why not? It's still cheaper than going out. So we're like, oh, this is great. I mean, we love to go out. We, we met up with you at Boise that one time. It's been fantastic. Your friend's restaurant there. I'm sure they're hurting. But uh, certainly the other part of it is we have become very good in the kitchen and save it a lot yeah. of money. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, the same thing. You know, we love to go out. We love to, uh, you know, eat out, go to different restaurants. We still support a lot of the local restaurants by doing the takeout thing. But quite honestly, I don't think in the last 10 years that we have had this much say family time to one you're eating you know making meals together and doing those type of things right so again it's another silver lining yeah it's it's and knowing you every time we talk you know it's like we're you know busy people run in parallel like this we never intersect this is like the one time we intersect a year right? we get our conversation but every, every time we're talking i'm over here you're over there we're in different countries different time zones so this has been great. You I mean you're just south of me? Right? It takes me about six yeah. hours to do drive time. 
Exactly. So, so tell me, I mean, go back to work um, just as kind of like a uh, end to, to the conversation is think to, I mean, it, it could be recent, it could be old. Give us kind of an idea of, say, your best, I mean, an investigation that you had, you know, tell us in like five, you know, five, eight minutes or something of, of, of something that won better humanity you know, investigation that you had. It, I mean, it could be all the way back to when you're working on Secret Service, but anything that you, you know, kind of a feel good, you know, something that you felt that it, it kind of changed either you or the kind of the world. Yeah, absolutely. You know, right now, most of the criminal cases I work are murder. Uh, a lot of murder cases, and, in, in, you know, I, I mean, I've told you how wonderful, you know, oxygen software is. I, I can't say it an oxygen detective. It's because I know what I need to find, except I can't find it unless I have a means to find it. So oxygen is, I use this sort of in a layer when I teach courses, law enforcement courses. I'm, I'm supposed to teach in Nashville this week, but that's next week, but that's gone. And I've been teaching now 12 years at the Regional Counter Drug Training Academy, RCTA. And it's all law enforcement training. And so the law enforcement training is two aspects, but it all has to do with geolocation data. So what oxygen allows me to do is to show geolocation data in a single platform. Now hear me out when I explain this. I always explain to law enforcement there's three levels of geolocation data. You probably have to say there's a thousand, but I'm going to give you three. I'm going to keep it simple. Satellite, sort of that cloud-based level, uh, cell site level, and then granular, which is the device. So when I look at an investigation, I have a murder case right now. The murder case involves the cellular part of it, right? We call detail records, Wi-Fi's, the GPS data, which is the, the Google Cloud Share location services is on. And then the granular. The granular in this case was unique. So the, the call detail records and the Google location services, those were great. I mean, those are fantastic. You know, Gmail tracks your activity like nobody else. We were able to put this person in the woods, right, where the body was found, like precisely. Uh, call detail records really weren't effective in this case, even though Oxygen Detective does do a good job with call detail records. And I primarily do call detail record analysis. This specific case, we didn't need them now. We had GPS data, so data from the satellite. The second part of it was the murder, which happened just outside the complex of, of where this victim and suspect lived, the defendant lived, is that when he was moving from his uh, apartment to the woods, he connected with the property Wi-Fi at the clubhouse. So as he's moving, he's connecting, so now we have a Wi-Fi connection. So the granular part is what? So you say to yourself, you have to think, okay, when their murder is committed in the middle of the night, in the middle of the woods, what's one thing you need? Now, you can say shovel, you can say, you know, be strong and carry a body, but what's one thing you need at that moment? It's a flashlight. So what do we use these days instead of a flashlight? We use our phone light. So at that precise time where, that, where they believe the murder occurred, right around that time, he turns his light on on his phone. Now, how do we know that? It's because we see the application being accessed during that time, and Android, this case was. So now you're dealing with... All right, we have GPS data that puts them in the woods. You've got uh, the, the clubhouse, the Wi-Fi, and then you've got the granular, which is the device, the, the camera, and the flashlight. Sorry, the flashlight. And so all we did is we went through, the, we, you know, we told law enforcement, hey, go find all the cameras in that neighborhood, the CCTV footage, and they were able to find the CCTV footage, and what is he carrying? A gun. Like literally on camera. And so it's like one of those great cases. And that's, you know, so that's a prosecutorial case. I've also had a defense case where you, you, see, you see it on Dateline all the time. You have a person who is absolutely, you say, wow, I can't believe that person was charged with murder. And 15 years later, this person's let out. And 10 years later, this person's let out. 
and a defense case, it's going back a few years. It was, it's a popular case. It's an Alabama case. It's Alabama versus Eric Leslie Busby. So everybody could do a you know, fact check. Eric Leslie Busby was a you know, local scumbag, whatever the law enforcement wanted to call him. I was working for the government at the time, meaning the government had contracted me to work on that case. I looked at the evidence on the case, call detail records specifically. And in that case, I said to the prosecutor, this kid isn't this, the, the, the murderer. There's no way. It's impossible. So what she did is she removed me from the case. Now, mind you, she was hired me to do the case, so she removed me. So that I freely went over to the attorney, attorney, defense attorney's name is John Beck. I said, John, your client's innocent. I want no money. I just can't see a person being executed for something they did not do that is provable. We ended up winning the case. But it felt good because you have to understand, I'm a law enforcement soul. That's who I am. But you know, when you have to cry, they, you know, you jump the fence, you cross the bridge, whatever the law enforcement, my buddies told me, I said, no, I did not go into this to defend this client. I went into this to prosecute the client. I came out of it going, wow, there's actually innocent people out there. And we see it on TV all the time, but when, it, when you run into it, it makes you feel a little different inside. Right. Yeah, for sure. No, I, you know what? I, honestly, hey, digital evidence doesn't lie, right? The problem that you have sometimes, at least in my honest opinion, is those people that are interpreting that digital evidence, right? You know, it says what it is, but, uh, you know, taking, say, you know, one text message uh, that might be, you know, say a deleted text message and relating that to, okay, that's a smoking gun, obviously, that becomes pretty difficult, right? When you have to now correlate a lot of it, either GPS, you know, text messages, put a lot of that information together. There's still a lot of investigative work to be had instead of just relying on, boom, here's the data. Okay, there's the story, right? So Yeah, and you said a, you said a pretty interesting word, so correlating. Oxygen, a correlation, but analytics with correlation and oxygen is phenomenal. You still have to present in court. And I love to testify. I love to talk to jurors. Uh, I look at the jurors. I feel like they're, you know, we're all immigrants. My family's all immigrants from Greece. I feel like I'm talking to my family. You have to explain what this complex field is to individuals who, does, who don't even know what forensics mean in the world of cyber mobile device. And so you have to be able to explain it to him. So the analytics in oxygen allows me to present in a way that, oh, this is graphical. Graphics are great, right? We have, yeah. we have the CSI element. We try to fight it. You know, we have a lot of people out here who don't like it. I'm like, embrace it. It's so nice because it simplifies the presentation. And there's so much. So in one of your correlated analytics on when you're pulling data from using oxygen, you have the ability to pull up an, a chart up there that's graphical, gray colors, but the information, you can break it down in one screen. You're not going through a PowerPoint, you know, death by PowerPoint in, in trial. So it allows you to be able to give a single screen and cover so many different aspects of communication, geolocation data, uh, communication, connections. Uh, so that's what's nice about Oxygen versus anything I've ever used in my life. So that's what I found, you know, not necessarily about the tool, but in what you brought up with your family and with technology and trying to explain it to a jury but to your family, what I found is now because of having to, you know, you want to see your parents, but you're not able to go see your parents. You want to see your grandparents, you're not able to see your grandparents. So I find myself doing a lot more tech on this is how the phone works, this is Duo, you know, for Google, or this is FaceTime that they've never used. You know, I'm finding, you, you know, explaining or having to set up technology for family members who might not be that tech savvy. So the last question, do you think that people will be more or less tech savvy when this blows over? 
Oh, completely more. I mean, it's, it's, you have to be. You, think, about, think about what you have access to right now. It's limited. It, technology is the number one learning tool in your household right now. You can certainly read books, and everybody reads books. That's been around forever. But right now, technology forces for this. This has forced you to become really good with technology. It's a great point. I never thought about that. But yeah, I. I mean, I'm dependent. We we were out of uh, internet for maybe a half a day, and I'm like thinking to myself, how the heck? So we started using our cellular data hotspot, and we were out of it by the end of the day. Exactly. No. So that's what. Honestly, sometimes I think it's like a conspiracy. You know, with the tech side of it. With, with webcams or anything that, you know, people now have to have. It's like the whole tech industry is like, hmm, I wonder if we can, you know, create some panic because now, one, I'm going to sell more cellular data. You know, I'm going to make sure that every ISP, people are calling up and saying, I need fiber or please upgrade my internet service or, hey, you know, I have to have all this because I'm telling you right now, they are, it's, they are making a ton of money on anything any any item that has to you know be for uh, I need to remotely work or you know what I, I can't be connected because I'm telling you what I had a complete panic when a couple of my girls uh, came back from school because I'm like uh, I better upgrade the internet because you know if they're gonna take it all watching the Netflix and I'm not gonna be able to actually work so right. you know again it's 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 bizarre but anyway so I want to thank you though. We have to yeah. do a cheers to end this. Thank you very much uh, for uh, coming on. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Hey, hope you enjoyed the uh, Forensic Happy Hour again this week. Or just thought it was kind of funny. That's what we're here to do. So, hey, also, if you want to be on the Forensic Happy Hour on Fridays, please, hey, send me a DM right here. All right, see you next week.